Hello and welcome to Aisha Presents with me, Aisha Nabi. In this episode, we will be exploring the many ways in which PMDD affects relationships. I'll be talking to Anna Rota, who currently works in records management for a government agency in Canary Wharf. Originally from Australia, she has lived in London for 10 years. In her spare time, she volunteers at the Bishopsgate Institute and Hackney Archives as an archivist and also helps out in magazine publishing, t-shirt designs and is a passionate photographer. She really wants more people to be aware of PMDD by talking about her story. This episode touches on emotive and personal issues which some listeners may find distressing. If you or anyone you know are affected, please click on the link in the episode's description for further advice and support or contact your GP. You may find it useful to make a journal and track your moods during your cycle. This may help you and your GP or therapist with the diagnosis and treatment plan. This series is sponsored by Arima CBD oils, which many people have found helpful in alleviating the symptoms of PMDD. Arima have an extensive range of CBD oils in varying strengths. Their researchers have extracted pure hemp oil from organically grown cannabis plants without using harmful chemicals. All of their products are manufactured and tested in the UK in a strict and methodical environment, making Arima CBD amongst the purest on the market. CBD is reportedly good for a multitude of health problems including pain relief, anxiety reduction, mood enhancement and heart health. Visit www.arima.co.uk to make your purchase. If you use my code AISHA10, you will receive 10% off on all orders. I'm joined now with Anna. Hello, thank you so much for being with us today, Anna. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and um, thank you for having me. No, honestly, thank you so much for being on today's episode. So firstly, tell me a bit about yourself and your journey with PMDD. Sure. Um, well, my name's Anna, and um, I'm 41, originally from Melbourne in Australia. And I've been in London for nearly 10 years now. Um, and my journey with PMDD has been quite a horrendous one. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed last year. Mm-hmm. And so now that I think back to, you know, throughout my life, I've probably had PMDD since I was 13, which is when I first got my period. That's um, quite young as well, so was, isn't it? Like, yeah, that was quite disturbing um, to live through your teenage years with this condition that is never heard of and I never knew that it existed. Um, I was diagnosed with, you know, bipolar disorder and split personality disorder and various other things and given various medications and, you know, and all that time, I, it was PMDD, and it took me to the age of forty to actually figure all that out. So yeah, it's it's been quite a quite a journey. I feel like it's a common trend. This kind of misdiagnosis from doctors. I know I personally had it, and I've spoken to a lot of people, and they've said the exact same thing. And for you to say it as well, it's just an obvious common thread. And that's you thought you had borderline personality disorder, or bipolar. Because it's mm. a lack of awareness in that kind of like that criteria, kind of aspect yeah. of what it is, and for you to feel like you had bipolar and 
like all but borderline personality disorder how did that actually make you feel um it was really scary because they told me when I was 15 at the time yeah. that I had borderline personality disorder and then bipolar came later on in my 20s. But, yeah, when I was told that I had borderline personality disorder, it was really scary and something inside me, I knew that that wasn't right, mm-hmm. like it just didn't fit. Um, and I've always been a person that would read, you know, um, things about, uh, medical issues that's wrong with me and I've always been very informed and I do a lot of research and I won't take medication unless I've done a lot of research behind it yeah um so yeah it just didn't fit with me and I I did take the medication that they gave me which was um I think it was an antipsychotic medication yeah. and that was yeah not great at all to be taking when I was 15 years I think, old yeah I like think it did a lot 15, of damage yeah such a young age and already mm. you're I think when you're in your teens your hormones are all over the place anyway and being told Definitely. that you have this and you have to take this medication it's very unsettling on someone who is going through puberty and hormones aren't necessarily balanced at that age yet so it can have mm. a lot of like horrible side effects and obviously when you're younger anyway and you're going through all these kind of physical and hormonal changes you're you're anxious as it is anyway so that must have been terrifying yeah it was very 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 scary and I think that misdiagnosis led to you know my issues with um like drug addiction and alcohol addiction so I think it's all tied in to that misdiagnosis definitely yeah um relationships are very important um could you describe anonymously some of the stories with your partners you've had in terms of that and pmdd um well i'll talk about the um the last relationship that i had that was actually he was the one that helped me get diagnosed um, and then I'll talk about some of the other disastrous experiences that I've had. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was with someone last year and um, he used to kind of notice every month I would go a bit crazy and start behaving quite erratically and I'd get really depressed or I'd, um, you know, I'd disappear for days and I wouldn't answer the phone and, I wouldn't get out of bed and, you know, I'd have like suicidal thoughts and I didn't want to see him and, you know, and he did say to me, he said, do you, have you ever noticed that this happens like just before you get your period and it's on a regular basis and then when you do get your period, you turn back into normal and he also um, mentioned to me that I physically change, like my face, my facial expressions change as well when this is happening. Um, and he said, I think we should like take a look at this and let's track it and see if it's something that's like quite consistent Mm -hmm. because I can see that it's consistent. Yeah. So we did that for a couple of months and, and then he encouraged me to look it up on the internet, which I did. And I found, um, the IAMPD website Yeah. and I read through that and it was, 
I just wanted to burst into tears because I thought, oh my God, this is it. This is what I've got. This is what I've had like my entire life since I was very, very young. Like this is, I just knew that this was it. Um, and then started the journey of getting a proper diagnosis, which was quite, um, interesting as well. Mm. Um, but he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, boyfriend at the time to, um, go through what I went through. And yeah, if it wasn't for him, I probably would still be continuing, um, you know, trying to work out what was wrong with me because I knew that there was something yeah. wrong with me but I just couldn't pinpoint it. It's so lucky um, that you had someone like that in your life to actually, you know, notice the difference. Like it's, it takes someone really close to you who knows mm. you so well to like see these differences in your behavior. And like you said, physically with the face thing, like how would you describe your face being different when, you know, you said your boyfriend noticed these changes in your physical appearance as well. How would you describe that? Um, he said that my face used to droop. Really? And I would get really, really um, dark circles under my eyes. Yeah. But he said it was like this, um, like a deflated kind of look, yeah. um, which doesn't sound very attractive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then he said, and then when you were, you know, the, then when you would get your period, you'd go back to normal and, you know, you could see it in your eyes, like they were shining again yeah. and you'd be smiling again and you'd be just uplifted again. And it, he said it was like such a dramatic Change, thing that it yeah. was like these two different personalities, which, you know, then kind of, if you think, if I think back to my misdiagnosis of bipolar and borderline personality disorder, it kind of makes sense that I had these. Jekyll and Hyde personalities with PMDD. Yeah, it's so, it's, you've put that really well, by the way, because my mum, when she notices when I've, when I'm about to come on, and I'm in that kind of luteal phase, she says mm. to me, my face, my face goes really pale as well. The same, I get like really bad circles. I just look completely drained. That's the only way I can describe mm. it. But um, similarly to your story about your boyfriend noticing these behavior changes, it was actually my dad who noticed um, that I had PMDD. I wasn't really sure what was going on with my mood and what was going on with my body. I thought I was going crazy. But he, mm. he was the one who noticed it was very cyclical. So I'm very grateful for that. And it's lucky that you had your boyfriend there to notice those Definitely. changes. Because it's very difficult when you're in that cycle, when you're in that position, when you're in that mood, it's so hard to see outside the box. Because when you're in it, it's Absolutely. very, very yeah. real. And you can't... Yeah, it's like being in a cyclone and you just can't be straight. Yes, And you exactly. can't function and you can't tell someone what's going on because it's so hard to describe what you're feeling because you're just in it and living it. So, yeah. Exactly. That's why I think when you've got someone else living with you who knows your behavior and who knows your tendencies anyway on a normal day, they can see it through an outsider's perspective and it's so beneficial. Mm. So I think that's the kind of silver lining in all of this, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We used to call it the monster, <laughs> like the monster's, coming, the monster's coming. And yeah, so that was our word when I would say, oh, it's coming. So he would, he would get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, what advice would you give to sufferers of PMDD about explaining their condition to their partner and what can partners best do to help people with PMDD? 
Um, well, as you know, as we've just discussed, I was very lucky to have the person that I had. Um, he was, you know, remarkable. But I would probably advise sufferers to obviously talk to your partner and um, get on the internet. Um, there's so many great websites and Facebook groups. Um, the Mind website is a really good resource as well. Um, and Marion Gluck Clinic um, is a really good website that I found a lot of information. Um, and just share the information that you find and get them to read things, get them to join Facebook groups and try and get them to understand that you're not doing this on purpose. Yeah. Like it's bad enough that we're living through it. But, yeah, we're not doing it on purpose and just to be number one to be kind to yourself and also ask the your partner to be kind to you as well and maybe I don't know maybe give it a nickname like me and my ex-boyfriend did you know the monster and you know prepare yourself when you know that it's going to be coming um and just yeah just be kind to yourself because it's it's bad enough that you have to live through it and mm. you know to make things worse is, is is not great for for you or you know your um, your partner. I totally agree. I feel like with this and with any sort of relationship you have with someone, if it's a kind of relation, uh, a romantic relationship with a partner or family member or friend, I think being open and honest about these feelings that you have and about PMDD, and also making sure your partner educates himself or herself into kind of exploring what PMDD is so there are ways to kind of help your partner through it and you know there's different tactics and there's different things you could do to help it and minimize the stress and anxiety that's caused with it I think mm. having an open discussion is always key in my in my personal in, personally I think so anyway um, yeah what advice could you give to families with a daughter, for example, who suffers from PMDD? As I mentioned before, like I, I live with my parents and my dad a few years ago was the one who noticed my hormonal changes and kind of pinpointed it and came with a deduction and um, said, you know, this is the answer. I think you've got PMDD. And we kind of, he made a mental note in his head, like a diary, if you will as I was going through this, I didn't know he was even doing this, to be honest with you, but he was kind of tracking what I was going through and he knew it was cyclical, i.e. it happened every time I was due to come on my period. So um, what advice can you give to families with a daughter, for example, who suffer from PMDD? Because I know, especially during lockdown, there's probably a lot of people out there who are going through these feelings and they don't know how to go about talking to their families about it if they do live with their parents or their partner. So, like, what advice would you give to someone in that situation? Um, I would go to your GP first and foremost. I know that sometimes people have bad experiences with their GP, especially, I mean, I had to really fight to get a diagnosis, um, but I did finally get a really sympathetic one who listened to me. Um, and, again, on the internet, Facebook groups, um, speak to your parents about it, um, point them in the direction of resources on the internet and, you know, discuss with them that I, you know, maybe I, you think that I've got, um, 
PMDD and maybe together you can track something, um, maybe have a journal and a diary and write things down that are happening to you that you're feeling that's going on in your head. Um, and, and again, you know, parents need to be, you know, sympathetic and kind when these things are happening. I mean, being a teenager is already quite tough in this day and age. So adding PMDD to an already, you know, hormonal person Mm -hmm. is just going to be, you know, a hundred times worse than what they already have to deal with. Yeah, you touched um, on a very good point there um, with teenagers because I feel like during school when, obviously when a a girl goes through like hormonal changes and she starts, has her first period, it's very... I think the kind of like sex education people get in school, it kind of it's very limited to what you go through hormonally. And I feel like education in school for teens especially is so imperative because hormones tend to be so fragile and they tend to spiral so much when we're in our teens because we're going through so much already. We're kind of figuring ourselves out when we're teenagers. We're kind of getting to know who we are, what our personalities are like. We're growing into the person we're basically shifting from childhood to adulthood. So it's a lot mm-hmm. for teenagers. And obviously hormones are up in the air and they can spiral. So everything you mentioned, do you think education in school for teens is a, an imperative approach that we should consider? I think that would be ideal. But I was, as you were talking, I was just thinking about um, the times when I've been to various GPs who had not even heard of PMDD. So trying to get that into the education system, I think, is going to be quite difficult. But, I mean, that would be a great thing to embed into the education system because I'm sure PMS is mentioned, um, hopefully, um, in schools. So that would just be an extension of, um, you know, sex, sex, sex education and you know body changing and hormones and teenagehood and things like that so I mean that would that would be great but um I think yeah it's it's really I think a difficult thing to embed when sometimes doctors don't even know about it and they don't know what to do about it so that would be great but um yeah yeah so like we obviously we've got we've got two massive problems here and that is the lack of awareness when it comes to pmdd and differentiating it from pms because it's completely different to pms i think Mm. it's more of a hormonal issue which affects the brain which inhibits like it basically ultimately affects our mood because of that those hormones that affect our brain so it's completely different i feel like people tend to confuse the two and that's where the frustration lies with patients so there's there's that aspect of it there's one obviously as I mentioned the lack of awareness and two GPs aren't so aware of it because you've like you said when you went they obviously thought you had bipolar or borderline personality disorder Mm. when I went my GP kept confusing it with PMS and I was just like no it's not that and they would then google it and I'd be like this is not giving me any hope in the slightest because you're googling something which I could do at home so those are the two main things and I really think and I really hope there is something put in place in the future in terms of sex education as a extension to that if you will when it comes to talking about women's um, sexual health PMS 
they can actually mm. touch upon PMDD, like people who are doing education in that um, in that topic can come to yeah. schools and you know not just girls but boys as well I feel like boys need to mm. I think everyone needs to know about this because it doesn't just affect girls in the classroom because ultimately if, if a girl's feeling emotional people can pick up on that emotion people are like sponges you know people can read emotion they can vibe off someone if they're feeling anxious or depressed or having suicidal ideation for example and it's the same mm. with the work in a work environment if you're feeling anxious it can affect men and women who are amongst you so I feel like it's something that we should educate everyone on because a, a woman's yeah, not necessarily I... going to be closed in on herself and be on her own she's going to be out in the world doing things absolutely and I think um we also have to remember that it's now officially in the DSM um as a recognized um mental illness so it's that's even a more reason to make it um you know make people aware of it and put it out in society and talk about it and do things like this like podcasts and articles and you know people being interviewed on the BBC and on um, Radio 4 so yeah I think um there's a lot of traction with it and um I think doing these things will just get it more um out into the into society yeah what are your personal experiences when it comes to hormonal shifts and relationships? Have you ever experienced codependency issues when it comes to PMDD and relationships? Uh, definitely. Um, I think, actually, no, I'm not going to say I think. I know that I used um, the hormonal shifts as, um, like a manipulation tool in the past. Um, there was one particular relationship that I can think of that I, you know, we were very codependent on each other and we were also, uh, both drinking a lot and we were both using substances a lot and I was suffering from PMDD. I didn't know it was PMDD at the time. Um, this is in my late twenties and Definitely, I used it as a as a manipulation tool, and and I would always be in codependent relationships um, up until the one of, of last year. Mm-hmm. I would say that all the relationships that I've had have been quite codependent, and I've definitely um, used yeah those hormonal shifts to manipulate men into into doing everything that I wanted whenever I wanted and, you know, to make them feel bad and, like, I've got depression and I've got bipolar and I've got this and I've got that. So, yeah, definitely I've, I've done that. Um, I don't think I did it on purpose. Yeah. But I definitely um, did it. How did you learn to overcome that? Was there something that helped you turn that around? CBT therapy has, yeah, completely changed my well yeah completely changed my life yeah Yeah, definitely it's been a game changer and it's made me you know think clearly um it's made me well it's helped me to um be kinder to myself um it's helped me to not get into relationships that are codependent yeah um it's helped me to not be um manipulative um 
and and I also think that the vitamin um, sort of concoction that I've made for myself is also helping to stabilize um, my hormonal changes and I think probably this year I've only had probably two really bad um, episodes Um, but the rest of the year has been you know a remarkable change and I can only think that CBT therapy and the vitamins that I've been taking um, are responsible for this. Well, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that you've improved and you've it's really helped you so far. Like I'm really happy to hear that about like your journeys, like how you're feeling about it so far, so good right now. Can you tell mm. us what the vitamins you are that you're taking? Sure. Um, so I did a lot of research um, because when I did get diagnosed, the doctor who um, helped me to get diagnosed wanted me to take an SSRI. And I've taken them in the past and they were just disastrous and um, I eventually became addicted to them. So I thought I'm not doing that again um, because I've been clean and sober for quite a number of years now. So I read probably over 200 journal articles and research papers and anything to do with PMDD, I read it. And the vitamins that I have come up with are... Let me just have a look. So it's black seed oil. Yeah. Turmeric. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D. Yeah, I've heard good things about vitamin D and B12. Yeah. Ashwagandha. I've been meaning to try ashwagandha. Try it. <laughs> I've been and to try that. The last one uh, is, oh, and then I take um, fish oil. Oh, yeah, I take that. And. And then the probably the creme de la creme vitamin <laughs> is the it's called Agnes Cactus. Oh, interesting. Um, and if you do read medical journals about PMDD, this is mentioned um, quite a few times. Yeah. So I have been doing that for probably since January, and you know, uh, my ex boyfriend, the one that helped me get diagnosed, has even said. It is absolutely incredible wow. how well you've been like behaving and so your what was that mood called again? Just, cactus oil. Like, it's incredible. So what um, was Agnes Cactus. Okay. Yeah. Definitely want to look yeah. out for and try for people who are listening to mm. this and they want to try something new. I'm glad it's working for you. Um, yeah. When you and do- they're all... Yeah. So I was just going to say that all the vitamins are really, really um, cheap to buy. They, you know, you don't have to spend loads of money. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can get them off the counter anywhere, can't you? Definitely. I, I was just yep. saying when you were saying when you were mentioning about SSRIs and how obviously it had a very adverse and bad effect with you. I was offered SSRIs years ago, and the uh, the thought of going on them really put me off. The thought mm. of them gave, put me in a bit of an anxiety rut anyway because I thought, oh, my God, this is – I don't want to – it just kind of freaked me out because the thought of going on something that might alter your mood and inevitably if you're having a good day, it could change that. And I don't want to change the good mm. days that I have because when I'm feeling great, I'm I'm doing fine, I'm doing well, I'm thriving. And I, the thought of taking something that could ultimately change my brain chemistry really did freak me out. So – Instead of taking those, I did try something called 5-HTP, 
um trips oh yes i've heard about that yeah. yeah and i felt like i didn't take it for that long i took i think i took it for a few months but i did notice a difference and okay it's something um people can maybe explore i know everyone's different everyone's body chemistry is completely different so i'm not going to say one thing's going to work for me it's going to work for you same way mm. your vitamins might work for you and they clearly have you're doing incredibly well anna but they might necessarily work for someone else. And I think with, with PMDD, it's all about trial and error. It's all about trying different Absolutely. things and noting them down. And, you know, get your partner to notice as well and see if, you know, do you feel better with this? Is it, is, are you acting differently? Is it benefiting you during your luteal phase? And then maybe stick to it. But it takes time. It takes months for it to really work. And also yeah. everyone's different. So yeah absolutely but I guess with vitamins the good thing is is that they probably won't do you know a lot of damage to you if they don't work it's not like it's a you know um absolutely a, a, yeah a, a thing that you need to go and speak to your doctor and get a prescription for it's um you know most of the vitamins that I take are um under the Ayurvedic um kind of medicine system so yeah. that's always very pure and natural and yeah, so if they do work, great. If they don't work, I mean, you've just put a couple of healthy um, vitamins in your body anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think for anyone who's listening to this and they are concerned, I, my advice would be, it, apart from going to the GP and, um, you know, going towards medical drugs like, you know, SSRIs, et cetera, and antidepressants, maybe first, you know, try try taking vitamin supplements. And if they work then good that's fantastic you don't need to result yeah. going to something that's you know with chemicals and other hormones in this is completely natural and it's going to help you so i'd always mm. go with that method first you know take vitamins and minerals or supplements um to help you first instead of going straight to antidepressants because everyone's different as i said it might affect you badly so um definitely my last question for you is, have you found dating to be challenging in the past and for partners to come to terms and accepting for who you are and the condition you have? This can also include like friendships, like if you have toxic friendships, i.e. gaslighting and um, relationships to co-workers. Because I know I recently with dating, I feel like I have to give them a disclaimer about my personality and say, "Yeah, hi, you know, I've got this problem, so I might be a bit of a a bit of a monster in like the months that I'm like about to come on, you know." So, like, yeah. did you have you ever found it really challenging in the past when it comes to dating? Um, well, because I've only been recently diagnosed, I kind of didn't need to say anything because I didn't know what was happening I just thought I was a bit crazy and eccentric um but since I've been diagnosed and uh I broke up with the boyfriend from last year um I haven't actually disclosed to anyone that I do have it yeah um I think if and when I do it's going to be with someone who is going to be in a long-term relationship with me. Yeah. Um, and that way I can learn to understand what kind of person they are and if they're accepting of, you know, people as they are. Um, and then I might disclose it. And with a few of my friends, um, I've had some quite 
um, strange responses. You know, the obvious one is like, oh, it's probably just PMS. Um, it's like, oh, does that mean that you're super crazy and you need to take medication now? Um, what else did I, what, um, I had some other really strange, um, comments. Um, yeah, just sort of, you know, around the word, you know, like, oh, does that mean that you're mental? Does that mean that you're crazy? All that kind of language, which, you know, sometimes, you know, they're joking and having a laugh about it, but, um, can be quite hurtful. You know, I think you need to be, yeah, you need to be really careful with language like that when someone is disclosing something quite personal. So I'm very selective about who I tell. Um, I, I actually haven't told my family. Um, I think I've probably only told a handful of people. Um, my boss at work doesn't know what I have, but she does know that I have a hormonal um, imbalancement issue yeah. um, and that's all she needs to know and she's been quite good about that. Um, but, yeah, I'm very, very selective about who I tell and when I tell. Yeah, that's a very, very good approach you have there because it's all about establishing that trust and, you know, that friendship or relationship quality that you have with someone if you're comfortable and ready enough to share something so personal like that with someone and I think I really admire and respect your approach to that because I think there are times where in the past I've disclosed this too early on with someone and they've kind of taken advantage of the fact that I have this and to kind of be manipulative and use gaslighting tactics um, in the relationship which made me question my own behavior when actually it wasn't to be questioned it was just them taking advantage of what pmdd and i had it and basically making it to make me feel like it was a weakness and to kind of shape it into whatever they wanted to do with it and gain from it so it's Mm -hmm. a really wise approach that you're doing is actually you know what i'm going to tell someone when i'm ready to someone who i want to commit to and at the right time when you've established that trust and Definitely. that kind of same playing field that you have. So that's a really nice approach. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention a really great experience I had with um, a friend of mine who I told. And he's actually a new friend that I made um, during lockdown over Instagram of all places. And we've just become such great friends. And we, we met in real life after um, lockdown was eased up a little bit. And I just trusted him so quickly and I thought okay I'm going to tell him and he was absolutely brilliant about the whole thing and he actually said to me when I told him he said when it's happening um, what do you need me to do for you and would you like me to change my language when I speak to you when that's happening to you and I just thought wow if only everyone was like that I just was so gobsmacked at his um kindness and lovingness and awareness as well it was really quite um it was so beautiful and like quite a shock at the same time and um and all i yeah yeah, and all i said to him is uh all i need you to do is just be my friend oh that's so beautiful i love that response that he told you like is there a new way that can change my language and how I can help you I mean that's so lovely 
coming from a yeah. man and I respect that so whoever you are honestly you have my respect um yeah it's such it's a great. lovely story honestly that's so lovely and I hope everyone who's listening to this can take notes and Sam my producer's a man so I hope you can take notes as well <laughs> he's right yeah, notes. yeah find, a, find a new friend off Instagram during lockdown <laughs> and tell them you have PMDD <laughs> That's such a lovely story. Honestly, I loved hearing that. It's really made me smile. But um, thank you so much, Anna, for coming on today's episode. I really appreciate your time and your story on PMDD and relationships. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you again for asking me and thank you for, um, yeah, thank you for doing this. And um, I hope this podcast um, brings more awareness um, to PMDD and more people can speak about it, both men and women. I hope so too. Let's let's hope for the best. Fingers crossed on that. So that's all we have time for now. Tune in next time and I'll be joined by the inspirational Claire Louise Knox, founder and director of See Her Thrive, to discuss PMDD and work. Don't forget to subscribe. Recorded and produced by the AV Club Podcast Production.